Hey ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show brought to you by gtex.org.uk and this is episode 301. We have more than 300 episodes. This is 301 and it is about real-time stress management in the age of COVID-19 with Mike Tegman. Now, uh, this episode is incredible because, uh, as uh, you're probably aware, uh, this virus affected our lives in ways that we will never imagine. Now, some people have thrived in this time, but many have been affected in a negative way. And it caused a lot of stress, uh, staying indoor all the time, not being able to do the things that we were doing before. And that's why I decided to call my good friend Mike Tegman. And uh, as COVID-19 rages its way around the world economic disaster, fear of getting disease, civil rights issues, and more are causing everyone stress. And poorly managed stress is the root cause of hundreds of diseases. Uh, thankfully, you can control your stress. In fact, uh, Mike Tegman is a former paramedic, and uh, he will tell us how we can do this. And in this episode, we talked about how poorly managed stress and the inflammation it causes is the root cause of most diseases, including cancer, heart attacks, strokes, strokes asthma, and much more, and many more. Uh, the fact that you can control your stress response in real time uh, in the moment to improve your health, uh, happiness and performance. And uh, we go through different techniques uh, that uh, are really powerful. And uh, I've got a, a favorite one that I use all the time uh, since this interview. And then the techniques don't require a doctor prescription and they are easy to learn. So <laughs> you will actually be able to experience these techniques of stress release during uh, this uh, interview. Now, if you want to get in touch with Mike, you can find all his links on social media and the website in the show notes. So make sure you check it out. And um, uh, to be part of this episode, and uh, you know, the work that we do is to turn experts into authorities, the work that we do at GTEx. We take people that are great at what they do and we get them known in the field so that they can have as well a profitable business. And a big part of it is getting featured on media, podcasts, magazines, uh, so that you can reach a wider audience and build your profile at the same time. But how do you do that? Where do you find all the contacts? Where do you find all the connections? Well, we got you sorted. So if you want to become an authority in your field, then why don't you get our ultimate publicity bundle, where you get access to a database of more than 500 media publications that are looking for speakers, more than 100 podcasts looking for guests, my templates on how to connect with journalists, and my follow-up framework to maximize every single speaking opportunity or media opportunity that you have. And that's only for $29.99, but for a limited period of time. So make sure you get it right now and you can visit gtex.events forward slash publicity iPhone bundle. So gtex.events forward slash publicity iPhone bundle bundle or you can download it straight away um, scroll it down in the show notes and you will see it there 
that's it for me. Uh, enjoy the show. Enjoy this interview. And uh, if you like what you see, if you have not subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe. And if you really like what you see, then leave a review. We'll really appreciate it. Uh, it's time to get started. Episode 301, Real-Time Stress Management in the Age of COVID-19 with Mike Tegman. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. And today I'm here with the one and only Mike Tegman. How are you doing, Mike? I am really excited to be with you this morning. I am really excited to be with you too. We are going to talk uh, all about how can we not, uh, um, how can we manage our stress in particular with whatever madness is going on <laughs> right now in, in the world. Uh, but before we go there, um, Tell us a bit more uh, like about yourself. How did you end up working in this field? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually an old paramedic. Um, emphasis on the old part. I no longer work on the, on the streets as a paramedic. But I, I, you know, I, I noticed early in my, in my career, I started as a paramedic in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And we, we'd go on these situations where shootings were happening or gang fights or riots or big house fires or whatever it was. And some of the people who responded were just cool and calm and in control and others kind of had a, a wild-eyed kind of panic in their eyes. And, uh, and after some of the more stressful situations, some people, you know, it was like sad for a little while, but recovered and did okay. And other people ha- had PTSD and psychological and emotional trauma and, and could never work again. And I was trying to understand the difference between the people who could be calm and cool uh, or the people who ended up panicked or ended up with psychological injury. And, and I learned all these stress management and resilience tools in the process. Is there any particular moment? I think that sometimes we have defining moments in our, in our lives or career that uh, it's almost, they are almost like a sign of uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm in the right place. Can you recollect a, a, any particular moment that for you felt like that? You know, when you when you ask that question, something instantly instantly pops to mind. I uh, I was working on an ambulance in Denver as a paramedic, and I had just dropped a patient off at Denver General Hospital, and we got a call for a police officer that had been shot, which is a, a paramedic is a a particularly stressful type of call. And we uh, responded to the scene. It was just after after nighttime, and uh, we we parked behind a big apartment complex and could hear the gunshots. Uh, going uh, back and forth and we looked around the corner of the apartment complex and there was one officer who was uh, down on the on the street and another friend of mine who was a sergeant um, was coming coming down the street trying to get to him and he got shot in the chest so we had two officers down in the middle of a gunfight between a a bad guy and a, a bunch of police officers and 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 trying to figure out how to extricate the two officers so that we can hopefully treat them um, and not not get killed in the process Um, it was like this this requires kind of all of my all of my focus uh, all of my attention and I really need to to channel my my fear at that moment into Mm -hmm. into commitment and, and performance and excitement and and that was that was really what kind of launched it for me uh what were, what was going through your mind under that uh, amount of pressure? Because you have shooting going on not far from you. 
You have someone who is uh, dying, uh, like almost dying in front of you. Uh, and I'm sure that this uh, is an example of many other situations in which you might have found that critical situation. What, what was going on in through your mind where you were in those situations? Well, the, the first thing was a strong desire to get the officers out to hopefully uh, save their lives if that was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and do so in a way that nobody else um, gets hurt in the process. Um, so it was very, it was very clear and very tactical um, at that moment. I also, I noticed that some of the police officers that showed up were pretty wild eyed with panic. At one point in time, somebody got on the police radio and said that the, the street lights and the lights on, on houses were backlighting police officers and making them easier targets. Mm-hmm. So every police officer on the scene shot out all of the lights in the neighborhood. So all of a sudden there's this cacophony of gunfire and glass kind of falling wow. all over the place with a way to kind of channel their, yeah. their energy in that moment. Um, but just, you know, really reminding myself of, I, I need to be cool and calm or else this isn't going to go well. Uh, so from, from that, from the paramedic days, you then uh, decided to change, to change your career and uh, to work in the area of the stress release. Um, what is, uh, what made you make that change? Well, I, I, I actually, I'm still working in emergency services, just right. a different part, right? Okay, and, and okay. Um, so I, I do, my full-time job is I do uh, data analytics and performance improvement support. I teach uh, college at two universities. I teach graduate school mm-hmm. and, and stress management is a big part. So for me, it was shifting from taking care of one patient at a time to helping other people take yeah. care of yeah. larger, larger groups of, uh, of patients. So it was the opportunity to have a bigger impact that way. It's really interesting. So on one side, you're saying like data and analytics. We had a chat, like a brief chat before, before the start of the interview about our, our toys and gadgets <laughs> that, that we, we both like a bit of tech. I love it. And so I think there's sometimes there is a stereotype of, um, you know, if someone thinks about stress management, uh, the, the image that I have in my mind is more like, you know, a hippie or a yoga teacher, not uh, someone who teaches analytics. <laughs> so how, I'm, I'm curious, how do you combine both these words? So something which is more like emotional and the other one which is more analytical? You know, I, I, I love that question. And as you, as you ask it, the first, the first thing that popped into my mind is a book written by a friend of mine, uh, Richard Heckler, called In Search of the Warrior Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a story about him uh, teaching uh, United States military special forces, um, you know, the, the frontline baddest of the baddest of the rough soldiers in our, in our world, um, to, to be able to meditate and to do massage on each other as a way to, to improve performance. And uh, wow. pretty much every, every branch of at least the U.S. military, I'm not sure about the, uh, the military in your country, but uh, they, they practice mindfulness. They practice meditation. Mm-hmm. And, and when, I, when I first started meditating when I was 14, it was because I was a, a, a young hippie um, and it was kind of seen as weird, but now it's, it's become mainstream. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, part of medicine. Some doctors write prescriptions for meditation now. So it's, uh, it, yeah. it's become normal and it, it's become normal because it works. Who introduced you to meditation at 14? It's not something that a 14 years old 
I don't know. It might be like we have quite a like a generational difference. But yeah. I wasn't taught meditation at fourteen. <laughs> I was taught other forms of relaxation at fourteen. So <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we do. that could be another conversation. Yes. Not meditation. So who introduced you? My, you know, I I was uh, I I I grew up um, a very reformed Jew, and the temple I went to, Temple Micah. Uh, we spent my year in sixth grade. Every weekend, we, we explore, explored a different religion. Right. And uh, one weekend, they brought in a transcendental meditation teacher mm-hmm. um, to teach us as 14-year-olds how to meditate. Wow. And I just, I just thought, this, this, is, this is my place right here. And I've, I've been meditating every day ever since then. I meditated before uh, our conversation here this morning. What? Every day? Every day. Every single day. Didn't miss one. Yep. Every day. Wow. Uh, I'm curious now. Okay. What makes you, because I think now is a good transition to uh, talking about uh, like stress management. But one of the biggest thing when someone finds a technique or when someone finds a tool that can help them out is actually the ability to use them. So I would rather start, before we start talking about the tools, I would love to talk about your commitment to using the tools because uh, the tools is, is as good as the use of someone <laughs> mix of it, right? They don't work, right? So um, is there any particular thing that you do or, to, or you did to get used to it? Or is it just how you are naturally, is your personality that when you make a decision, you just stick to it no matter what? Like, t- tell us a bit more about what makes it happen for you so consistently. You know, there's there I, i'm i'm a real curious person i experiment with a lot of things um but when i find something that really fits for me um it it pretty much stays so the meditation was one of those things mm. um and i i used to i used to be a, a serious red meat eater you know big thick steaks and mm-hmm. juicy hamburgers and all that kind of stuff and i uh, had a lot of friends who were vegetarian um, so I, I decided with my girlfriend and I, we'd try being vegetarian just for one month. Uh, and I made a big, uh, filet mignon and lobster tail dinner the night before we did our experiments and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and after 10 days of being vegetarian, I, I realized I would never eat meat again. And that was, mm-hmm. that I was 20, 20 years old right. when that happened and I'm 60 now. So it's 39, 40 years ago so some a whole bunch of things i try don't stay but the ones that really fit it's like why why change that's really that's really interesting i can relate to that um i've been uh, i mean i i've been vegan for about uh, i think i became vegan when i was 22 so about 10 years ago yeah and uh, uh it was it was quite natural is a very difficult to explain i think there are some things that uh, you know we try and we do different things and some are easier to implement and some are more difficult or we see like this is not me or this is doesn't resonate with me. And so what you're saying is more fi- try a bunch of different things. And then once you find the one or a few that they really work for you, then stick to that and commit to those. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be super complicated. Whatever the simplest, easiest thing is that nurtures you and takes care of you staying with that makes good sense now that that's for me is a i I got a few things if i'm thinking about now even stress management i got three things that really help me out uh one is basketball 
Yeah. Uh, I play, I play basketball, love playing basketball. I could play. I, I, there was such a hot day a few days ago here in, in London and I, I played seven hours. I was, uh, yeah, I, I'm a bit of a, like my personality is quite addictive. When I find something that I really yeah, love, yeah, I'm yeah. just go, go for it. Or I love music. I play the didgeridoo and that helps me. Uh, or the hang drum. Um, so there are a few things that I found that if I don't have them in my life, my stress level goes up and up and up and up and up and up. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I see that you have a guitar behind you. I, I, I do. I, can, I cannot play it well. It sounds like you're a real musician. I am, I'm a wannabe <laughs> musician. And I'm a <laughs> wannabe musician too. <laughs> but it works. I don't. I play for myself. I don't play for others. So. I, and that's exactly what it is for me. And it is uh, the guitar is both a, a cause of stress and a reliever of stress for me. <laughs> trying, trying to learn. It's like I, my fingers aren't quite long enough to do that. Um, but there's some. There's something about something that um, is something you can really kind of lose your your focus in. Um, they they uh, call it flow state. Yeah. Uh, there's a psychologist years ago. Um, um, I'm never going to say his name right. It's uh, Mikhail Chechny Nechkihai, I think is I'm I'm massacring his name, and I apologize uh, to him for that. But he, uh, you know, he described um, as an article he wrote uh, Psychology Today magazine in 1977 uh, called "The Fun and Fun," mm -hmm. and his theory was that uh, a lot of things people describe as fun going to bars and getting drunk and sleeping with random people isn't actually experienced as fun. Um, but what, what people really experience as fun is this thing called a flow state. Mm -hmm. And he described rock climbing um, where you're just focused on wishing your right arm was just an inch longer. So you could reach that next, next area. Um, and at, he said, at that point in time, you can't think about the clutch going out on your car or, uh, that your girlfriend doesn't like you anymore or that you've got a homework that you haven't done yet or you can't think about it all you can think about is the rock and the rock climbing and uh it's it sounds like you've found some things in your life like your basketball where you're able to be in that in that yeah. flow state and it's that's really good for you what what keeps you in flow state personally right what are the things that uh, so you mentioned probably meditation might be one but yep. that's an assumption um what, what things have you found uh, you know, uh, for me, I, I really enjoy nature. Uh, mm -hmm. So go, going for hikes um, and just really noticing the different flowers and butterflies and, oh, look at, look at how that bird lands there and flies and what is the sound of the brook I'm walking next to? Um, that's a, it's a really good space for a flow state for me. And the other one for me is, is writing. Um, mm -hmm. I've just, uh, before we got on, I'm working on a, an article on, on having paramedics support our public health partners on the, on the use of masks in public to help prevent the transmission of, of yeah. COVID-19. And um, when I'm, you know, being cr in the creative moment of crafting uh, a piece of writing, that's very much a, a flow state for me. It feels really good. I want to invite everyone listening right now or watching, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, um, I will leave a comment. Uh, let me know what, uh, what keeps you, puts you in flow state. I'm sure that everyone had experiences and maybe some more consistently, some less consistently, 
but I'm sure we all have those experiences. So I would love to know what keeps you there in the moment where you don't think about anything else and you're focused on the activity that, you, that you're doing. Uh, Mike, I would love to uh, now get uh, a bit more into the um, uh, what can we do and what techniques we can do to uh, alleviate stress or to manage our stress. I mean, uh, we live in very stressful times uh, for, for many people, for the majority, of the, uh, I'm assuming. And uh, the, I think this, the work that you do is more relevant now than, than ever. So, Absolutely. Uh, so where, where can we start? What will be the starting point? You know, I, I think the, the first thing is to, to realize that not everybody's going to become a meditator. Um, even though meditation is, is really helpful for overall, you know, resilience and stress management. But there's, there's, there are super little easy things you can do right now. Uh, you can do them right now while we're having this conversation. Any of your watchers or listeners mm-hmm. can do them with us. So one of them is, you know, let's, let's, maybe let's practice making our body stress. So if we shrug our shoulders up, you can do this with me and yep. kind of clench your jaw together and breathe shallow, maybe look down a little bit. That doesn't, it feels kind of stressed, right? right? Yeah, I feel very stressed right now. Drop your shoulders down, uh, let your jaw fall open a little bit and uh, find your toes and whatever, whatever your feet are on right now, your rug or a carpet or a floor, just wiggle your toes like you were going to try to bunch up a rug underneath your feet. And, and people look at me like I'm nuts when I, when I describe this as a, a relaxation technique. And, and it's based in neuroscience. Um, so when we have our stress response, it's kind of that fight or flight that was designed to, you know, way back when we were living in caves and we were afraid of saber-toothed tigers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that stress response is you lose sensation in your arms and your legs and your feet um, so that if a big cat bites you, it doesn't hurt so bad so you can still fight and hopefully survive. It's a survival mechanism. So if you bring attention uh, to your toes by uh, bunching your toes back and forth, um, it reverses that stress response and actually activates your parasympathetic nerve in your body and uh, 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 parasympathetic nerve, which is the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, and causes a, a relaxation response. And I, I, I did a, a webinar um, a few weeks ago and, uh, and, and taught the toe uh, wiggling technique. And um, one, of the, one of the participants, he sent me an email afterwards, and he's a, he was an F-16 fighter pilot. Um, mm-hmm. And he was getting ready to fly his first mission over Iraq. And as they were getting ready to close the hatch of his aircraft, his squadron commander said, look, as you're flying your first mission, I want you to just remember one thing. And he thought he was going to tell him about, you know, watching my aileron or noticing aircraft off my wingtips so I don't hit any other aircraft or anything. And his flight commander said, wiggle your toes throughout your flight. And he looked at him and said, wiggle my toes? And the flight commander said, if you wiggle your toes, your head will stay in the game. Your performance will improve. And um, I, I, and I, was, I told that story. I was uh, teaching a group of um, uh, obstetrical and gynecologic physicians um, at the University of Pennsylvania Stress Management Techniques mm-hmm. um, last week. And they said, well, we always, when we're going to do a painful procedure on patients, we always tell them to wiggle their toes throughout. And it's a simple, easy strategy that just works. And you can do it anywhere. 
at any time. It's so it's so simple and it works. Like I find myself right now. I'm I, I'm on I'm barefoot on uh, on my carpet. So <laughs> it works extremely well. <laughs> yeah. And I'm grabbing the Ethernet cable, which my, which is uh, for hardwiring. I, I never, I've heard a lot of theories around it, but I never heard uh, this particular exercise of this particular exercise. And what I like is how discrete it is, because sometimes I think that you know we can find ourselves in situations where there are a lot of stress release or stress management technique that they. Right. It's like, I can't make a tree pose uh, if I'm in a meeting, in a board meeting, and I feel stressed right now. <laughs> it depends on the type of meeting. I mean, you could try, and you would probably get some attention, right? <laughs> so downward dog uh, in, on the table on a board meeting. But I can wiggle my toes. That works. <laughs> well, I, I, let me give, uh, give you another, another quick one that's kind of in the same line. You know, right, go ahead. You know how relaxing it is to get into a hot bath? Oh, how, yes. how relaxing it is to get into a hot tub or a hot bath, right? Yeah. And the reason that's relaxing is because part of the stress response is, is the, the, all your capillaries, uh, veins and arteries, they constrict as part of the stress response. So all the blood is going to your heart and your major muscle groups mm -hmm. to run away or to beat up whatever it is you're, you're, you're fighting off. So when you get into the hot water, it dilates all of those vessels, which is the opposite of a stress response. And, and activates that parasympathetic relaxation response for you. And I mean, I, in a meeting, you probably can't say, excuse me, I need to go take a bath, I'll be right back. I, I mean, it depends on the meeting and where you are, I guess. But, but one of the things you can do is you can discreetly rub your hands together and warm up your hands. And when you warm up your hands, it's another quick, simple, easy little mechanism for dialing your stress response down. Just a little bit. Oh wow! It's, and it's and possible. if you're a, if you're if you're a tea drinker or a coffee drinker, yeah, put your hands around the cup for a minute and take a breath, and allow the warmth to come through your hands before you drink. And when you take a drink, rather than looking at your your phone or whatever it is, smell the smell of your drink. And when you take a drink, actually taste it for a minute. That's a that's a little bit of mindfulness practice that you mm -hmm. can do. Whenever you're ready to have a, a little cup of tea or, or coffee during the course of your day to kind of just bring you down and make you centered a little bit. This, this explains a lot. I'll tell you something. So um, <laughs> my wife could live in her tub. Literally. <laughs> she has uh, sometimes, I think she had a six hour long bath once. And after 10 minutes, I get restless. So is it, I, I can get the relaxation for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, maximum half an hour, and then I got to get out. It's, uh, I gotta Me too. But, and when she's stressed, she will always make a cup of coffee. I, she can't take a bath I, or she would go to the bath and she works from home. So then sometimes you can have, she, she has a, like her laptop uh, and we have like a tray, the wooden tray that fits on the, on the tub and then she will work even from there. She, she works on her computer in the tub? Uh, yeah, I know. That's um, a, that's, uh, I would call that advanced stress management. That's, that's uh, a... That's a high level she's got going on right there. She is, uh, like, she actually is incredibly productive. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I say, what have you done in the, in the last two hours? Oh, I had a bath and I did this, 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 and this, and this. How? <laughs> right. 
Right. But if she can't have a bath, she would actually make a warm drink, either a cup of coffee or tea, and then she would just spend some time. But I don't, I don't think even she consciously, I, I'm going to ask her later, but we never yeah. had a conversation about why she did it or she, now that you're saying this, it, it makes sense. And is I, the, go I, ahead. I, I have one, one more little one on the same line. Um, do you like chocolate? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that's my middle name. <laughs> so, are you, so are you a dark chocolate or a light chocolate? Or dark, no, chocolate dark chocolate. I like dark, dark chocolate. chocolate too. And, and a good quality dark chocolate has, has one of the most complex smells in, in the world of pheromones. There's like, yeah. I think it's 425 different pheromones that okay. make up the smell of chocolate. Oh, wow. And, and so if you, if you get your chocolate and you, you undress it, you know, carefully and then mm-hmm. smell it just for a moment and just let those smells fill your nostrils and then take just a little bite, a good quality of, uh, of dark chocolate will melt in your mouth just yeah. a little yeah. bit below your body temperature. And just don't chew it, just allow it to melt and let the flavors kind of creep across your tongue and really experience them for a moment. It's a chocolate meditation is another one of my favorite ways to get a little snatch of mindfulness anytime during your day. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. You know what? I got uh, some uh, just opposite my, my place, obviously my house, there is a, a small producer, um, there is the, the, this couple. And they uh, handmade uh, this really high quality dark chocolate. And I took them once for my birthday. I- I'm going to go and, <laughs> and get some more now. <laughs> because I, right. I, really, I really love dark chocolate. Yes. It's good for you. So, okay. So is there anything else that someone... Uh, let's now... Uh, I want to move the conversation from situations of uh, um, like mild stress. Because if I'm thinking about what we've been talking so far, you know, wiggling your toes and uh, getting a piece of dark chocolate is something that will work really well if I can consciously understand or realize that I'm stressed. But there are some situations of extreme panic where the last thing I'm going to think is to to eat a piece of dark chocolate. And there are a lot of people living in this situation right now. So what can we do if when we experience those extreme to manage our stress? So it's, it's important to have some, because uh, you know, I can, in the, in my book, I describe a whole bunch of different ways to manage stress mm-hmm. and you can't remember all of them. And your ability to access memories is dependent on your state. Yeah. So if you're in your mental state, if you're kind of in that energized panic mode, you're not going to be able to take time to remember anything, right? You're only going to be able to focus on kind of yeah. what you're dealing with in the moment. So something, what I encourage people to do is to find a technique that works for them that they can do in any situation and over practice it to the point where it's automatic. So um, do you, do you remember learning to drive? Yeah, I do. Who taught, who taught you to drive? Um, first my, one of my best friends. And then, uh, uh when I, I, when I had the age, my mom. <laughs> okay. Right. You were speaking out driving before then. I know how that works. Um, um maybe <laughs> if, your mom's, if you're not mom's watching this, don't listen to this part. Oh, she uh, knows now. I told her. <laughs> I t- <laughs> so, so that when you think about learning to drive that in your brain, that comes from your hippocampus, that's called explicit memory. Right. 
Um, but have you driven in the last year? Driven a car? Yeah, yeah. I've driven yeah. yesterday. You drove yesterday. Mm-hmm. So when you get into drive today, it's memory that allows you to drive the car. Yeah. Use the steering wheel, the brake, and the accelerator, and start your car, and maybe use turn signals. I don't know if you use them or not, but mm-hmm. in California, <laughs> it's voluntary whether you turn signal. But um, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's memory that allows you to do that. But you don't get in your car and think, okay, now I have to remember how to drive. Mm-hmm. You just drive, right? Yeah. And that's called Im- implicit memory. And imp- implicit livery lives a little more in the prefrontal lobes of your neocortex. And um, it, it, it's part of automatic kinds of things. So finding a stress management technique that you overpractice to the place where it becomes automatic for you hmm. is the only thing that will work in a panic situation for you. So it can't be anything you have to remember. So one of, one of the, the most common uh, stress management techniques has to do with breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, and they, they sometimes refer to it as uh, tactical breathing right. um, or square breathing. So if you, uh, if you take a breath in to a count of four and hold it for a count of four and then breathe out for a count of four, and then hold it out for a count of four and then breathe it back in for a count of four. And, and after you've practiced long enough, you don't have to do the count of four part, but taking a full deep breath in, because oftentimes when panic, you, you breathe kind of shallow. So taking that full mm-hmm. breath in and letting it sit in your lungs for a, for a, a few seconds and then blowing it all the way out and taking the next one in it, it, it is a, it's, transformative practice your yoga practice has you know your pranayama and all the other kinds of <clears throat> yogic breathing the fire breathing and those kinds of things mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, that yoga folks do and um, meditation practices have following your breath um, there are psychotherapies that are involved with that holotropic uh, breath work from Stanislav Grof and those kinds of folks so mm-hmm. breathing is key and we take it for granted because we just have to do it all the time right but doing it intentionally and practicing and practicing it on a on a regular basis so that when you're in a panic situation yeah it it kicks in for you to breathe deep it'll pull you back out of that panic a little bit and help you dial down your stress in the moment the toe wiggling technique works really well in any circumstance Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to you have to practice it often enough that you just start wiggling your toes rather than thinking dang i should have wiggled my toes in the middle of that (laughs) That, that, that's a very great point. So it's about practicing it so much that uh, when you need it is there. And you and just you pick even a, And you pick one, you, 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 try, you try different at the beginning just to see which one you like, then you find one. So I think find I'm which, just gonna- find Which one is your basketball, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Right. I, my, if I, even if I'm thinking whenever I am, uh, the, uh, whenever I'm stressed, one of the things that I do in particular within the within basketball, because you have different type of training when, whenever of you're playing basketball, you have different movements. And so for me, I'm a shooter and the shooting. And I think also I'm a good shooter because I practice a lot of shooting. And because I run a few businesses and I'm stressed a lot of times, it means that I shoot even more. So I become even a better shooter. <laughs> so, right, 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 right. And you, can, and you can practice shooting in your mind even if you're not on the court. I've never done that. Right. Yeah. There's really interesting research and it's this concept in stress management. We call it crisis rehearsal. Right. 
um, and, and they've done research. Actually, the research was done with basketball players mm-hmm. where they had a group of college basketball players and they divided them in half using a random number generator. Half of them went and practiced for two hours a day on the court. Uh, another, uh, the other half uh, did a, a deep relaxation practice and then they visualized shooting mm-hmm. uh, for 30 minutes. And they, and, they, and they did these two separate groups for uh, two months. And then when they uh, put them on the court to see who scored more, they were equal. Wow. So the people who were really actively imagining practicing doing something well got as good as the people who were physically practicing it, which is, is counterintuitive. It's so there's really a lot of things you can practice. Because then your, your, body will, your body then will follow the image that you have created in your mind, basically. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and so in a crisis situation, if you, if you practice getting through horrible things in your life, yeah. you, know, you always have to practice surviving and getting through things successfully. You want to rehearse uh, good things and successful things. Um, then when you're actually faced with tough situations, you've, you've got the habit of being able to get through whatever it is and it'll another another one of many stress management techniques oh that's brilliant i i know already what i'm going to do i'm gonna buy a stock of chocolate and always gonna throw it around right. with chocolate oh my god that's brilliant so uh I want to ask you now uh, more uh, related to the COVID situation. I know you've written a book uh, on the topic, which is very relevant at the moment. And, uh, you know, there are people that have uh, lost family members. Um, It's a really difficult situation for people even to make a decision because there are so many contradicting information. Whatever you are listening or watching, everyone says something different. And uh, that creates a lot of confusion and people then a lot of people don't know how to deal with that confusion or, the, or that stress yes. uh, and then there is the the element of you mentioned the beginning of the call but there's the element of face mask are they good for you are they not good for you should you wear them should you not wear them and everyone has their opinion so what are your views on because you've done a lot of research and you are there in the trenches what are your views on the current situation you know it's it, it, it this is probably the first time certainly in my lifetime where the entire world is faced with a stress inducing situation all kind of at the same moment. Hmm. And the, you know, the reality of, of the virus, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff has become politicized, particularly uh, in, in the U S it's, it's, it's crazy hmm. that kind of basic health recommendations um, have become a political football, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, and you know, washing your hands regularly, um, and and avoiding situations where you're going to share air with people unless mm-hmm. you have to, right? Um, so avoiding crowds, keeping the distance, uh, wearing a mask is an effective barrier, um, but it's only effective if everybody does it. Right. The vast majority of of people do it. There's no debate about that. Um, and I have and I have seen the posts about. Oh, you're gonna re-inhale your carbon dioxide, and mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if 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 that were true, um, surgeons, operating room nurses, operating room technicians would be the least healthy people on the planet. They will be all dead by now. And yeah, yeah. and they're not. yeah, they're not. That you know, they they work in masks for long hours all the time, and we're talking about putting a mask on to go to the grocery store. 
you know, you, you can, you can tolerate it. Put a bandana around your face and pretend you're a bank robber and have some fun with it. And, you know, it, it, we're not, we're not asking you to run into a hail of bullets. We're not asking you to, uh, to, to climb the Eiffel tower on the outside without a rope. We're not asking, all we're asking you to do is put a little piece of cloth over your, over your face and protect others and, and protect yourself. Um, it's uh, the fact that it's, it's controversial or up for debate makes absolutely no sense to me. It, it is uh, like in particular, that's why I asked like people that are in the medical field, this kind of question, because uh, it is uh, if someone just has to scroll through LinkedIn or through Facebook, uh, Facebook, most of all, or Twitter, oh, yeah. then uh, it's impossible to see what makes sense because there are, always proof of the opposite and then you mentioned it become very politicized i think here as well in the us way more you guys do things bigger anyway so <laughs> is that <laughs> compared compared to the uk or europe we have a bit more measure there so we, we, we have a rabbit hole we could go down for a ways here <laughs> there is uh it is a uh, as you mentioned it is important that uh, I think I'm, I'm going with common sense right now. Um, what, what it makes sense is not that the, the virus is still out there. So limit the mm -hmm. amount of time you're going out, limit the amount of time you're staying, large group of people, social distance, and wear a mask if you're going into a place where the air is stagnant. Um, it's like, that, that's, I don't know, that's what makes sense to me. And uh, You know, and I, and I, in my work, I, we work a lot in the COVID space and I, I'm in meetings every week with the world's leading physicians, many from the, many from the UK and from Italy, who are um, taking care of the sickest of the sick patients, who are working on developing treatments that are effective. And, and I, can, I can guarantee you, you won't find anybody who is actually a medical professional who actually works with COVID patients who recommends against wearing a mask. There isn't one on the planet. Um, it's, not, it's not up for debate. It's not confusing. And, you know, the, the, there's, there's no down, it gets a little hot. Sometimes if you're playing basketball, it can be hard. And um, sometimes it'll leave a little mark on your face afterwards. And, and it's hard to see people's smiles. And, but you can also um, mouth cuss words at people and they don't know uh, that you're doing it and, and you can get away with things. So there are benefits on the other side. Uh -huh. so, just wear your mask when you're in public. All right, that's brilliant. Th thank you for this piece of advice and for clarifying the, 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 the circus that uh, has, has been created <laughs> in the past few months. Now, before we wrap up, uh, it's time to lift the veil. And uh, that's where I ask all my guests to share a tool a strategy or an app or a book, uh, something that uh, you bought or you download, something that you use yeah. that is so good that you say other people need to have this or other people need to see this. Uh, what is that for you? You know, there's, there is an app I use. It's called uh, Hello Driven. And it's, uh, it's from an Australian company. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a resilience building app. So it basically turns my smartphone into a resilience building coach. And, and it helps uh, with your financial resilience, your emotional and psychological resilience. It helps coach you in your nutrition. And it just takes three to five minutes a day. So mm -hmm. you mentioned Facebook earlier. I, you know, I, I 
start my morning by wishing my Facebook friends happy birthday. And then right afterwards, I do this, they, this little mini lessons. And over time, it, it uses a whole lot of really powerful learning and psychological principles, neuroscience principles, to help you develop psychological and emotional strength. So when stressful situations happen, you're better prepared to deal with them. All right. That's brilliant. So how is it called again? Hello? It, it, yeah, Driven is the name of the app. So ah, uh, it's Driven. You, if you uh, go in the app store and go, uh, I think it's a uh, uh, driven resilience and you, you put put those two words in the search terms, you'll be able to find it. All right. Driven resilience. We will put the link in the show notes so then you can download it in the, yeah. in the comments as well. So everyone can download it. Um, Mike, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. A very fascinating conversation. I love the learning more about you, your stories, uh, your past, and, uh, and also the, the great and very practical techniques that you, that you gave us today. If someone wants to reach out to you, maybe buy your books or um, work with you, what's the best way? Um, so we, we have a website. It's uh, combatcovidstress.com. Um, the books are on Amazon. Uh, they're on um, Barnes & Noble. You can uh, order them online. There's both the Kindle version, paperback, and uh, there will be an audio version out soon. So... Um, I, I'm really grateful to you for, uh, for helping get the word out. You're, uh, you're, you're going to help reduce the stress for a whole bunch of people you may never meet. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Hi, that's, uh, that, that's why we are here. That's why we have the show. And uh, thank you very much for um, sharing for, for your time here. Uh, everyone, make sure you get the book. Uh, can you tell this title of the book? What's the title? Uh, the title is... Uh, supercharge your stress management in the age of COVID-19. So supercharge your, your stress management in the age of COVID-19. As I mentioned, the link of the website is going to be here in the comments of the show notes. Make sure you get the book. And maybe if it's not for you, maybe it's for someone that you know that is close to you that is very stressed about a situation that need an extra help. Um, think about yourself, think about others and everything anyway will come, will come back to you. Uh, multiple times. Mike, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've had a lot of fun with you. I, I really enjoy it. And I wish you, uh, uh, I wish you to stay virus free and uh, nothing but uh, happy, healthy and uh, shooting a lot of baskets. Same for you, virus-free, healthy, and happy, and maybe shooting baskets too. Who knows? <laughs> at, least, at least eating chocolate, right? Or eating chocolate. Oh, man, if there is one thing I'm taking away from this interview, always go around with a bar of chocolate. That, that's Good. been my, my, my personal learning. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you for being here and watching or listening the show. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. It helps a lot for three reasons. It helps the, the guests because they know the impact that they've made. So leave, leave us a review sharing what you've learned, what was it, what were your biggest aha moments or takeaways. Also, it helps the show because the more reviews you leave, the more people are going to listen to it. So then it help us grow. And if you like to support what we do, that's a great way to do it. And the third way, it helps my ego. Uh, I, feel, I feel really good when I see a five-star review. So I really, I really appreciate it. If you don't do it for the other reason, you want to do it for my ego, that, that's good. All right, that's it from me. I'll see you next episode. And always remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao.
Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how we, you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.